Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. have a special treat. We've just started a series last week called Read Your Bible. Turn to your neighbor if you got one and tell him read your Bible. If not, tell the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost has already read it, so he's good. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. This is a, this is a series that I felt impressed on my heart to do because we, I, I just want to challenge all of us to dive into God's Word. Last week we talked about, we kicked it off with saying that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The words inside these pages are alive. There's millions and billions of books out there, but there's only one book that has living words in it. It's the Bible. And if you engage with it and you, in, and you step into it and you read it and you meditate on it, then I guarantee you, you will be transformed. Things in your heart, things will be shaped and changed in your life. And this is why we want to spend this series challenging you to read your Bible. To read your Bible. I know it sounds elementary. I know it sounds something some spiritual person would say to you when you, man, I'm really struggling, you know, and you tell them about all the issues that you got in life, and they're like, well, just read your Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about engaging with God's Word, putting it to work in your life, not even just reading it, but confessing it, um, meditating on it. Last week, I gave you one practical tip, and that was to pray before you read. Pray before you read. Because the words in here are alive. Jesus is the word. So pray before you read. Pray before you read. And today, what we're going to do is something very special. I'm excited about this. I'm not going to preach today. I'm going to introduce the topic. And then we're going to have three of our amazing people in the church come and preach today. We're going to have Roland and Stephen and Ileana bring the word today. And I believe, man, we were talking on a Zoom call the other night. They're excited. We were praying for them this morning. And I believe it's going to be powerful and impactful. So I encourage you to lean in. Get ready. I plugged in all the Bible verses. The word is in there, okay? The word is in Pro Presenter right now. And there's a lot of them. So get ready. Get your notes. Um, but today what we want to do, last week we talked about the Bible is alive. Um, but I want to talk today, what we're going to talk to you today about is what is in the Bible? What will you find in here? Yes, it's a, it's, it's a comp- compilation of 66 books that are written. It's, it's actually a biblia, a library. It's considered a library. 66 books put together. Two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starting with uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, which I love that it's four. We don't have one gospel. We have four gospels because it's almost like a, like a film that you watch. You don't want to watch a film from one camera angle. You want to watch it from multiple camera angles, and that's what the gospels give you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Same story same timeline through different camera angles and then you walk into the book of Acts which is a historical book and then you walk into the epistles which are letters from people like Paul and other apostles and we 
all of this inspired by the Holy Spirit, written down by man's hands, but inspired by the Holy Spirit is a compilation we call the Bible that you are meant to read. Amen? But we're going to discover three things today that are in the Bible, three prevalent things that you will find when you begin to read the Bible that I hope that when you realize today what what is in here, that this is a treasure chest of things to be unlocked and to be found, that it, it will just excite you to go home and engage with this. And I'm not talking about reading three chapters a day, starting off that. Maybe, maybe you do that. I, I was listening to a missionary the other day, and he said, yeah, I just wake up and read for three hours in the Bible. I'm like, whoa, you don't have young kids, and that's the deal. So uh, we're not saying to jump all in all that, but just get started to engage with it. But three things that they're going to preach on today um, that you're going to find in the Bible. Number one, you're going to find promises. You're going to find God's promises for your life in Scripture. And number two, you're going to find power. Somebody say power. You're going you're gonna to find power to live by in Scripture. And then number three, you're going to find purpose. You're going to find purpose in Scripture. So without further ado, can we welcome Roland to the platform as he brings the first encouraging word? Thank you, thank you. Okay, I gotta confess some confess something really quick. Um, the beginning of my message was changed during worship, actually during prayer before worship, and God gave me a scripture. So you have to, yeah, have a little bit of grace with me, cause yeah, I I gotta wing it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so in the Bible, there is a book called the Judges. And the judges, they were like people that God anointed when Israel was in trouble. There were, were no kings yet. There was just God, and whenever there was trouble, God was like, okay, this guy's going to help you. And one of those guys was Gideon, okay? And he was like a, he was a warrior, pretty cool, at least for all the guys in the room, you know, we were all like, <laughs> warrior. Um, and he was faced with an army. And this is the part where I have to wing it. I believe it was a couple of thousand Philistines or something. You know, one of those enemies Israel had. And he, he had a couple of hundred. And he prayed. And he was like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do? And God said, you have too many men. I just, I just imagine Gideon going like, have, have you seen the enemy? <laughs> they have quite a few over there. And, well, he, he listens to God, and they go through, like, a, a filtering process where he starts sending home people, you know, who, I don't know, God was like, I want to have this kind of group behaves like that, and read it. It's a cool story. Interesting. Um, but the point I want to make here is I believe one reason why God told Gideon to get rid of men was he didn't want Gideon to rely on men. He wanted Gideon to rely on him. And to rely on God, we need promises. That's my topic. <laughs> so since we're in this series, read your Bible, I thought like, okay, let's just, let's just get some of the promises which are in the Bible, and there are a lot. I had, I had like a week to you know, look them up. There are a ton. I had to stop at 20, <laughs> mainly because my wife told me, Roland, you have to stop somewhere. 
So I'm, I'm just going to read them to you. And don't try to like catch all of them. Just like listen, absorb. If there is one, take it and take it as your own. Say like that's my promise that I'm going to take. And I'm going to hold God to that promise. <laughs> okay. You ready? Ready? Okay. All righty. First one. Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I prepare a home for you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is my advocate. Jesus provides for me. My grace is sufficient for you. I will strengthen and help you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That's a good one. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And we know that in all things God works for, for the good of those who love him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. On you. I love loving eye. Sorry, I have to stop here really quick. You know, it's loving eye. It's not, you've got to do this. It's, it's the loving eye, okay? If you, if you feel like God demands that from you, just ditch it, okay? Ditch whatever you have in your, in your head going on right now. If you have the feeling, this is God's loving eye on me, then listen. Sorry, where was I? <laughs> I love that one. You may stumble, but you will not fall. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I am your friend. <laughs> neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So before I pass on the mic, I have three quotes for you that, actually two, sorry, um, that I heard somebody once said. I just want to make sure that, you know, that's not for me. Somebody said it. <laughs> for every problem that we have, God has a promise. For every problem that we have, God has a promise. Stop talking to God about your problems. That's the second quote. Stop talking to God about your problems. 
and start talking to your problems about your God. That one has to do with faith. Do you believe that God is more powerful than your problem? Then you've got to start talking to your problems. Stop talking to God about something that he's like, I have a promise for you. So what can we do with that? We can, we can look for the promise. We've we got to know the promise. Otherwise, we don't know what to talk to our problems about. When we are afraid, like Daniel said, we've we got to know where it stands, not to be afraid. For he is with me. He is with me. Hmm? Amen to that. And with that, I pass it on to Stephen. <laughs> Thank you, Rowan. That, that encourages me. Amen. <clears throat> so, we're getting ready for this. And I was like, yeah, you know. Everyone else uses these iPads and stuff. And then I was like, man, I don't know if I could trust it. So I printed it too. So that way I can like walk around. I have it in multiple places. All right. Well, we are here talking about the Bible. And I just think, um, I guess my topic here is power. And so we, uh, you know, can go to God's word and we can see that power is displayed from cover to cover, okay, from beginning to end, as they say. And so there's three takeaways I want for you. So today, we need to read the Word of God to know God, okay? We need to act upon the Word in obedience. And then the last one is we need to share the Word of God to spread His power, not just in ourselves, but in our families, in our friends, in our spheres of influence in the world around us. So, you got to sit back and listen to the promises of God. I ask you to stand up with me real quick. We're going to jump into the Word, and I would like your participation, please. And so, um, I think we have our first verse coming up here. I would like you to read this with me. We're going to declare the word of God. And for those that are already worried, I'll let you sit down in a second. But I want your participation here. When we're reading the word, I want you to read it with us. Okay? So let's do this together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. You may be seated. We can see from the beginning, right, God's power was already moving. And we have this idea, you know, it's like, you know, examples of how God's power is shown throughout the Word. We know God's word is powerful, but it's because we serve a powerful God, right? And so as we go through, I'm going to try to guide us through here quickly in a few minutes, take a check at the time. And so I want to show you now an example of deliverance. So our next one comes from Exodus. I'm going to come hang out over here and read with you. So in Exodus chapter 14, 
verses 13 through 14. So read with me. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Amen. So example there, um, you know, we just jumped, right? From Genesis to Exodus, the story of God's people, the Hebrew people, Israel. And we now jump to this part where they are, were in bondage. God is delivering them from slavery in Egypt. And they are now moving into the next chapter in their life. Another one here. So this is also part of that, okay? So let me see. Yeah, there's verse 21 through 22. So read this one with me. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Wow. And these are things, right, you know, some of us, we've heard this before, right? Maybe, you know, they've made a few movies about it. Some modern, some not so modern, some animated, some not so animated. But we can see God in the deliverance of his people. And that was all this, this kind of foreshadowing of the deliverance that we find in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So moving on. So we have deliverance, and now we're moving into Jesus is the Word. Okay? When we talk about the Word of God, we talk about Jesus is the Word. All right. And so now we've jumped into the New Testament. So we are in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Read with me. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. So, we can see Jesus is the Word, okay? He was with God. He was in the beginning. And so we can see now why, why is there power in the word? It's because it's Jesus, okay? So as we're uh, coming through here, um, I think one important thing was, I have one more verse here, I think, coming up. Chapter 14, or verse 14 in the same chapter. And... So this idea here, John, is going on. I, I think it's just awesome. I don't know if any of you have uh, tuned in to watch a series called The Chosen, but uh, they, have, they have a real awesome scene where they talk about this kind of this writing of this and just blows my mind to think about it. But here in verse 14, read this one with me. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that awesome? So now John goes on in the rest of his book here, 
explaining, uh, what do we got here? We got Jesus' ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit, like what we could expect. Jesus was teaching, like, hey, this, this thing, the Holy Spirit, it's coming, okay? And then um, also Jesus' death, burial, and hallelujah, his resurrection, amen? So John, I have another one coming from John. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a theme here obedience to the word of God, okay? John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. And so this takes us back to that middle point is we can read the word, we can speak the word together right now, but if we're not acting on the word, has it really changed us? Has it really gone deep into us, okay? So now let's talk about this. Let's act. So, John 14, verse 15 through 17, with me, please. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And we can celebrate those of us that have accepted Jesus as our Savior, and we can celebrate the Holy Spirit living not just around us now, but in us, and we have God with us. Amen? So, um, it's one of those things, if I'm not experiencing the power of God, so if, I, if, I, if I'm feeling powerless, one question that I've got to come and ask myself is, am I being obedient? If I'm going to the Word, and I'm reading the Word, but I'm not being obedient to the Word, I'm powerless. I'm powerless. So I encourage you, as we jump into the Bible, as we're reading, let's start looking at how do we use that Word. How does God want that Word to work? It's like kneading it in. Okay, I don't do much cooking. My wife does a great job, but every once in a while, I get to watch her. I've even got to help a couple times, like pizza dough, Friday night, homemade pizza, shoat household, kneading dough, stick it in the blender, right? Oh, okay, that's cheating, but getting the Word of God worked into our lives, getting it worked into our lives, it changes us. We become something else, amen. All right, so... The last quick point, share God's power, all right, by sharing his word. So we must share the word to see God's power spread throughout our world. So let's look at something King David wrote. We got Psalm 105, verse 1. Read this one with me. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Wow. I mean, we always talk about the Great Commission, right? That came a long time after this, right? God was already speaking this. He was already prophesying this and speaking this to his people then and to us now. Okay, another one, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Read with me. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Wow. 
And so I think an interesting thing, when you go and you read 2 Timothy, you see it's a letter to Timothy. And some of it is very specific, okay? I mean, it's like Paul talking to Timothy, the one he loves and cares about and who's been, he's been mentoring and besting in this guy. But then when we get here, this is like, this is more general, okay? This is for the church. This is for the people there with Timothy. And so this idea, we need to preach the word. And some of you are like, whoa, I don't preach. Hey, I didn't until right now. It could be you. But you can preach the word of God in your life, in your lifestyle, in your words at work, in school, the way you interact with people, the way you show compassion and mercy and grace. That is a great way that all of us can preach the word of God. And then as we get comfortable, as we know the word, now we start saying, hey, you know, in the Bible, it, it, says, it says this, and it, I think this will help your situation. And so now it's like you're now you're spreading the word. So we uh, also, I have a, another one here. I got to stay on track. The Apostle John. So we're now in Revelation. I told you we'd go cover to cover. So Revelation chapter one, verse three, and read this one with me. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So, we know the church, universal, worldwide, through all time, we have anticipated God making things right, bringing justice the things that he says, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we, we look for God to make things right, not just in our lives, but in the world. I mean, every time, you know, I hear something in the news, war here, rumors of war here, things just going terribly wrong, earthquakes. You hear those things, and we wait in anticipation for God to make it right. And we're reminded here that time is near. The time is near. And that's the mentality we have to have. If the time is near, then we have to be reading the word to know God. We have to be acting upon it in obedience. And we have to be using our lives, our circumstance, to share with those around us. Because there's a lot of people who have not heard any of these promises. And they have not heard about the power that comes from God and him living in you and with you. And I just, a um, few closing thoughts, is we need to change our expectation, okay? That's something that God's really been speaking to me about, is we need to come expecting that God is faithful and true and his promises are in true and endure forever. And they are for us. We have to change our expectation that God is ready to do something and show his power in my life, in your life, in the lives of those around you. We have to expect that. And we also, we have to think that Jesus is the word. We go to the word to learn about him. We feast on knowing him, the word of God. We become 
the Word of God. We have Jesus living in us as Christians. And so I just encourage you to think we have to expect that he has great purpose. Some of us are still sitting there trying to figure out God's will. But I'll tell you something that I've learned here is that purpose is something you've got to step into. And you can't step into it until you've given up that fear. Until you say, God, you are God. You are all-powerful. You love me. And I can step into that purpose that you have for me, even though it's not all clear right now. Amen. So, I just, uh, another thing I would encourage you, make a habit of getting into the Word. It doesn't have to be all 66 books this week, okay? Um, encourage you, take bite-sized chunks, but make it a habit. This week, make it a habit, okay? You've already got a head start, okay? So make it a habit. Read it, speak it out loud to yourself. Speak it out loud with a friend, family member, and then act upon it, and then let's find out how we can share it with those around us. And one other thing, if you've never experienced God's power, and you're seeing these promises, and you're thinking about what's this purpose, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting him as your savior. He loves you. He looks on you with loving eyes. He, is, he wants you to come to the Father, and we can do it through Jesus Christ the Son. Amen. Amen. Ileana's going to come and tell us about purpose. I am excited. Are you guys excited? Yes? I love purpose, and I love that God has given us purpose, and it's amazing. Um, we didn't connect to, be, to decide how we were going to flow into each of our messages. We just knew our topics. And sitting here, I'm listening to Stephen and Roland, and my brain is going like, because it perfectly connected. And I, in Jeremiah 9:11, Roland was telling us one of the promises that God has for us. And God is saying that he knows the plans he has for us. And when we don't know our purpose, we can rest certain and secure knowing that he does because we can find that promise in the word and stand on it and claim it as our own. And I'm going to go right into it. And first, I want to define purpose. And if you do a quick Google search, um, you'll find that the definition is that purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And I have found that a lot of times when we hear words like purpose, destiny, calling, identity, we freak out a little. And like Stephen was saying, it's like, I don't know the details. I don't know. I don't know. It's so big. It seems so out there. And we freak out and we assume it's so big and I don't understand it that's not for me. I don't have purpose, or I'll never have a big purpose, whatever that is. Um, and I'm here to tell you that that is a big, fat lie, because all of us have purpose, and we can find it in the Word. So, like Stephen, I'm going to bring us all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole book. Um, but when we read Genesis in the creation story, we find that when Adam was made, he was made out of love, for relationship with God the Father, and for relationship with people. And I, that's a beautiful thing, that the God of earth 
the God above all decided, I want to make you out of love just to know you and live in relationship with you. What other God does that? And as we read Genesis, we see that Adam wasn't just dropped in the Garden of Eden to chill out and enjoy this relationship. That's beautiful. But God was like, no, no, you have a couple of things to do. And the first thing is that he made Adam to rule on his behalf. He said, here's everything on earth. Here's the garden. Lord over it. Steward it. Take care of it. So the first thing that we see, the first purpose that God gave Adam was, yes, be in relationship, but steward over this, Lord over this, reign on my behalf. And the second thing is that he made Adam, he made us to partner with him creatively. And I love in the creation story, God could have done it all by himself. I mean, he spoke and literally everything came into existence and all he had to do was speak. And yet he left some things for Adam to figure out, to do, to create. And I love that God went, Adam, name all of the animals. I mean, again, who does that? God could have done it himself, but he said, you have good thoughts. I made you in my image and you are capable of doing this. Create with me. So the first thing we see is that we're made to rule and reign on his behalf. And the second thing is that he made us to partner with him creatively. And the beautiful thing of it is that we're never doing it alone. Adam was always doing it out of a relationship with his father that loves him and made him out of love. I mean, they walked every single night together in that garden, talking, in relationship. And I love that that was not separate. It wasn't, I work over here, I talk with you over here, I work over here, I talk with you over here. No, it was together. It was out of that relationship, out of knowing I have a good father that loves me. I can trust him because he's given me these promises and I can go and do this. And that is amazing. But like Stephen was saying, this doesn't all stay in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're given other things that we can and should do. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. And it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making this his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So the third point um, of purpose that I want to bring today is that he made us to be ambassadors of Christ that preach and share the message of reconciliation, which is what Stephen was talking about. He came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and he will come back again. And we were made to do that. Um, but I want to quickly define what an ambassador is. Um, usually... I guess maybe 10 years ago, we only thought about an ambassador from a country. So I'm an ambassador of France, I represent France, or I'm an ambassador of Puerto Rico. You see me, you probably assume most Puerto Ricans are like me because I might be the only Puerto Rican you know. Um, so I represent my country, or the ambassador of France represents his country. 
maybe more recently we think of influencers and how people are ambassadors of brands or products. And again, what they're supposed to do is be like, hey, I'm cool, I'm nice, this brand is also cool and nice like me, buy it. So that's like the basic of what an ambassador is. And they should represent well whatever they are talking about, whatever they are a part of, wherever they're coming from, they should represent it well. But the second part of that is you don't only exist as a nice person, that when people see you, they're like, you're a nice person, so that brand is nice. Or you're a nice person, so everyone in your country is nice. You're supposed to communicate well. A big role of an ambassador, especially in countries, it's making sure that relationship goes well with another one. So again, using the France example, I come to Germany, and I'm not only a nice, good person that you want to know, I'm like, this is what my country is. This is what it has to offer. This is how I want to connect with Germany. You should want to be in relationship with my country. And they should sell you on it. And I have seen us many times take that role on passively as Christians. I have definitely done that. And I remember the first part very well of, I need to behave well, I need to be a good person, and then I forget that I have to act on it, that I have to say something, that I have to do. It's not just about being a nice, good person. And when I think about my life, I have like the very cliche story of born and raised in church, and I don't have any dramatic, like, I'm not addicted to anything, I wasn't abused, and in my head, I was like, I don't have a story. I don't have a big purpose, a big deal of like, oh, I can share this, and there was this but Jesus moment, and now I'm totally different. And I assumed when I was 15 or 16, if I just behave and I stay here and I don't say any bad words and I don't listen to the bad music and I dress properly, I'm not gonna fail at anything because I have done nothing to be able to fail at it. So I'm safe here, but I was failing because what God asked me to do was to be an ambassador of Christ and to share his message of reconciliation. And in Romans 10, 14, it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to earth, and what did we see him do? He talked about his father nonstop. I do what he does, I say how, what he says. He was always talking about this good, good father, good shepherd that leads us, he finds all the sheep, He amazingly good, he's my father, you should listen. And then he started preaching this message of reconciliation that people didn't understand because they didn't have a direct relationship with God yet because it had been broken <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. And he just starts talking about this, well, soon you're gonna be able to have full access to the Father. And soon you're going to be able to live out this relationship, this loving relationship. And the beautiful thing for us, another thing that Jesus did was that he came to inaugurate the kingdom. He blew the doors wide open. When he died on that cross and that veil tore, we have direct access to the Father now. He finished preaching the message of reconciliation by dying on that cross and coming back to life afterwards. And when I think about Jesus, and I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I really love Jesus, and I think about two moments in his life. In the garden, when he was saying, God, Father, I really, really don't want to die on that cross. But 
if it's the way you choose, it's your will, not mine. Because he did what the Father said, and he did what the Father did. <laughs> and he still went and died on that cross. And when he was hanging there in Hebrews 12, 2, it says that he saw the joy set before him. And that joy was us, you and me. We were the joy set before him. And I just imagine Jesus on that cross, horribly, horribly in pain, saying, for them, I will die because they are worth it. They are the joy set before me. But it wasn't us just sitting and chilling around in relationship with God. It was us doing what he made us to do, being who he made us to be, the ambassadors of Christ preaching and sharing the message of reconciliation, the shockingly good news that Jesus came, lived, died, resurrected, and will come back again. And I think we forget that God has promised he will be with us. What Roland was reading all of these promises, he stopped at 20. Like, if you want homework, sit down and read the word and make a list of the promises he's given us. Sometimes we forget that he gave us power. When he left, he didn't leave us alone. He left the Holy Spirit in us. And he works in us and through us. And we're like, oh, we need to do it alone. I can't do it. I'm just a 25-year-old girl from Puerto Rico that has no schooling in preaching. I can't do it. God gave me promises. He gave me power. He gave me a message to preach. Who am I to say no? And in Joshua 1, 9, um, I think Roland also mentioned it. God says, be strong and courageous. He said he's never going to abandon us. So I have news for you, friends. If you are here today thinking that all you have to do is be this really chill person that is just really good and you have no purpose because you don't understand all the details and the purpose that God has for you, if you said yes to Jesus, and do you own a Bible or have the Bible app? You find purpose in the word. He made us out of love to be in relationship with him and other people, to reign and rule on his behalf, to partner with him creatively, and to be ambassadors of Christ that share his message of reconciliation. And we get to live a life transformed in him full of freedom and joy and peace and love. And I realized that my but Jesus moment was that I no longer had to live afraid of what people would say of me. I no longer had to be angry and bitter. I no longer had to put on this mask of who I am. I just got to say, oh, but Jesus came into my life. And like I was reading earlier in Corinthians, the old is past, the new is here. I have an identity in him. I have a purpose in him. I don't need to be angry. He took that away. And I can move in the things he's given me. And as soon as I said yes to Jesus, I had access to all of that, but I had no idea. And it took a relationship with him where I read the word and lived it out. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's not always easy, but it is the best thing you could ever do with your life is say yes to Jesus and understand the shockingly good news that he came and lived and died, resurrected and will come back again. And that there will be a day when we're all gonna be recognizing his glory and majesty and singing with the angels, but that today we get to share that shockingly good news with people. And who are we to stay silent when we've seen what it does in our lives? So I wanna invite you today, if you have already said yes to Jesus, this is what he's called us to do. 
if you know nothing else, you have the word and you find purpose in it. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, today is a marvelous day to do that. And your life will never be the same. And we at Destiny are not going to let you walk alone in it. No, we want to walk that journey with you because we have seen the transformative power of saying yes to our good, good Lord. So I just want you guys to stand up. I'm wrapping up. If today you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to say, hey, I don't really know what these crazy people are talking about, and they seem a bit too intense, but it sounds pretty good, and I want to get as excited about something, and I want to find purpose in something, and I want to live out of these promises. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, you can raise your hand or tap the person next to you, and we're not going to do this alone. You can think about it for a second. Do I actually want to do this? I would highly encourage you to say yes. <laughs> because my life has never been the same. And with the person next to you, if, if you raised your hand, um, I just want you guys to pray together. <laughs> and the church will pray with you. And you can repeat it after me. <laughs> Jesus. We love you. I love you. And I recognize that I am not perfect. And that I have done things wrong at times. But I also recognize today that you love me. And you made me out of love to live in relationship with you. And I want to live that relationship today. I want to say yes to you, Jesus. I want to give you space in my life. I want you seated on the throne of my heart. I too want to say what the Father says and do what he asks me to do. So I say yes to you, Jesus. And I accept you as the savior of my life. I am no longer the person I was. I am new in you. And I claim that promise. And Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life to live out of the power you give that you would first work in me and then work through me because I don't want to be silent. I want to share the shockingly good news that what you've done in me today, you can do in, some, in someone else tomorrow. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, give it up for Ileana, Stephen, Roland. Stay standing. If you just made that decision today, you're online, you're in the room, please scan the QR code or it's coming up on the screen as well. Um, we're so honored. What a powerful, powerful, like, tag team word. I love it. It did work together so beautifully. Um, if you're watching online, again, thank you so much for joining with us.